0: So on property, we've been talking briefly about adverse possession, and I shouldn't say briefly, it was a lot. Uh, but as part of that, we ended up bringing up personal property, and one of the ways that you can obtain personal property is through adverse possession. Uh, these next two episodes are going to be talking about other ways that you can obtain personal property, namely the rule of capture, so capturing personal property, and the rule of finding, finding personal property. So let's go ahead and talk about the rule of capture. We've actually briefly mentioned in our introductory episodes, Pearson versus Post, which is a rule of capture case. Uh, They capture the fox, whose fox is the fox. We have another case that is very similar with wild animals that a state v. Shaw. What happened in this case is that somebody had captured fish, mostly captured fish. It was nearly impossible for the fish to escape. Another person came up, dipped in their nets, picked up 700 pounds of fish, and walked off and sold them for a profit. And they were criminally charged for larceny because they walked off with another person's property. And the court's here to determine, did the person who has ownership of the fish, was it the person who had previously caught the fish in the nets but hadn't gone to collect them yet, or was it the person who walked up and claimed the fish? The real rule here, then, is that uh, to acquire property rights in animals, uh, wild animals specifically, the person may bring them into the pow- The person who brings them into the power and with a certain amount of control becomes the property owner. So, even if there is a slight amount of opportunity to escape, even if it's not completely impossible to escape, like was required in Pearson, well, then the first possessor in that instance could, in that sense, have exercised a reasonable ability to capture and claim ownership of the fish. So that's really our rule there. Our second case that we talked about is Pop- Popoff versus Maheishi. And this is a case where a baseball player hit his 73rd home run in a season Uh, Later baseball controversy there If you want to count that as um, Significant Um, I won't get into those things But he hit his 73rd home run Of the season and the ball Was valued at One and a half million because it was a record Breaking home run And typically in baseball it's whoever gets the ball Is the possessor of the ball Now what happened here is that Somebody put their hand up In the air The ball hit their mitt The crowd all searched around. The ball was dropped. And Heishi was on the ground, and he picked up the ball, and it's like, I got the ball. So the question is, who takes ownership of this ball? And the real question that the court is asking here is, does the person who hit, who actually caught the ball, not caught the ball, but who hit the glove first, does he have a larger claim On the ball than anyone else there and what about the person who actually got the ball does he have a larger claim on the ball than anyone else there the court kind of takes a cop-out answer here they say the first person had a prepossessory interest meaning they were the first one to touch the ball they have a higher claim of interest than any of the other wrongdoers around them but the facts are unclear we don't know if he would have caught the ball if the crowd didn't do anything we know that he dropped the ball, but would he have caught the ball? It would, would something have happened that would have made it very clear that this ball was his and solely his? And the answer to that is no. And as a result, it's not fair to just give him the ball, but it's also not fair to, uh, it, it's not fair to not give him the ball. Both him and the defendant have this interest in a claim of this ball. And so the court, they split the baby. (laughs) Uh, They ruled that they need to uh, sell the ball, cut the proceeds in half, and each side gets half of the proceeds. It's not really how baseball works a lot of the time. Uh, It's really whoever gets the ball gets the ball, and that person owns the ball. Um, But that's what the court decided in this instance. And so we can see through these two cases how the rule of of capture works when it comes to wild animals. It's going to be the first person to uh, reasonably bring it within their control. And we can see in the second case with the baseball what happens when it's unclear if a person did reasonably bring it within their control, and that is rule of capture. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is, if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro, and you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com/join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials, and the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is, if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.